He in the bushes ready to give it to me. He's like, homie, before I kill you, my nigga, I thought you was better than that. I'm like, bro, what you finna kill me for, though? He was like, you just stole my dope. And he seen it on my face. I dope. Like, bro, I'm a blood. I'm a killer. I'm not with no selling dope. My mama smoked dope. I heard he got killed that night. He got killed. I go to take out the trash. The girl, Katrina, had a job at Baskin Robbins. So as I'm going to take out the trash, I see her talking to some dude. I'm looking like, who is this? And I know this dude from Y.A., Night Train, from Dogtown. Night Train. And the look he give me just like, we Y.A. babies. We go, I know you, bro. Why are you looking like that? But I ain't say that, though. I'm just like, complexed. He's like, bro, I thought you was better than that. Like, better than that. And now she trying to, like, get him, like, that pastor gonna call the police, like trying to get him away. I'm not knowing. She told him I stole the gun and the drugs. I didn't even know about the drugs. She gave me the gun. She didn't even tell me about the drugs, actually. He wanted to kill me. And I don't have a clue. <laughs> Shit, man. Because she don't even tell me. The pastor has cameras, and I don't know about them. I didn't even think about that. That, that was the furthest thing from my mind so that night when she shooed him away I went out to go I couldn't tell you remember my boy just got killed and I put two and two together because I'm on it like how does he get here what is he doing here what are he talking about I stole this then I thought about the window like everything start coming so now I got the gun with no bullets in it <laughs> I'm like, man, I'm going to kill your ass if you don't tell me what the hell is going on because something ain't right. I'm going to go outside because I'm mad. You know, I can't, I'm going to end up hitting this girl with this gun, so I need to, like why he told me, separate myself from the problem before it escalates. Let me get the hell out of here. I see something. What the hell? It's Night Train, the dude that I was in Y with her boyfriend. He in the bushes ready to give it to me. He's like, homie, before I kill you, my nigga, I thought you was better than that. I'm like, bro, what you finna kill me for, though? He was like, you just stole my dope. And he seen it on my face. I dope. Like, bro, I'm a blood. I'm a killer. I'm not with no selling dope. My mama smoked dope. And it hit him. This bitch. He finna get ready to go in there and do her. Oh, cuz. No, oh, come on, bro. This is my pastor house. Now, the whole tape, everything on tape. You can't do that, bro. I'm like, here go your pistol, though. I ain't even know it was yours. You feel me? She told me it was a gift. He's like, man, keep that. Like, what? He was like, bro, I apologize for even not thinking. I was like, I ain't nothing big, bro, but I, we should get up out of here from my pastor house. Yeah. So the pastor didn't see the tape. His wife did. She wants me gone immediately. And not only that, she also called my parole officer. 
No way. I'm on my way to San Diego that night to Katrina Daddy House. That's when the run starts. That's when I go on the run. But I call my parole officer and explain everything to her. Like, truthfully, honestly, like the gun never had bullets. Strange got killed. I was a liar, a killer, a thief. These are things I cannot do again. It's like you can't stop doing one thing and not stop them all. I don't even really consider marijuana because I wasn't even really smoking that when I was a little kid. I was just evil, bad, angry, and hurt. So now I've changed it up. I got medication and I don't do the things that I used to do. And for me being honest, she said, well, we're going to talk about filing charges. Filing charges, the gun is gone. I threw it in the avenue somewhere. That was discouraging. I made a bad decision but corrected it on my own. And I no police were called, no shots were fired, the gun didn't even have bullets, Miss Ware. And she said, I feel you, I understand. Cause she was a down to earth black woman, but she said the powers that be, the powers that be. But when I go down to the parole office, you got the little homies over there smoking. They they got guns. They bringing guns to go to the parole office. And I'm trying my hardest to not do none of that. And you finna lock me up for telling you I made a bad decision. Didn't know police catch me. I was no child charges filed. And the pastor didn't even show her to take. She wouldn't show her. She just said, I thought that you should know this. So there was no evidence. All this is speculated. Remember that gun. It went somewhere and somebody else ended up dying with that oh. gun. So now I'm really like, I'm like strange, the bullets. It's like, God, my daddy, everybody's showing me there's no room to play. It's either you're going to go all the way back to prison or you're going to go all the way to college and get your degree. The hard part, and this is for my, my younger viewers and young people that feel you have to have glasses and a tie. You don't have to be that to be a degree holder because I was class valedictorian. I scored the highest GPA out of 37 people at my little school, but only three of us were black. So there were Asians, white. It wasn't like I was in YA getting it because I would have to question myself like, damn, is that just because I put the effort in? But doing it on the streets, that's motivational. This is what the jail system, uh, welfare, the Democrats, they try to make you dependent on needing a cure, whether it be medication, treatment, counseling, incarceration, when the thing is you have to strengthen yourself and be prepared for these setbacks. Sometimes it takes self-reflection where you have to look and say, damn, am I doing wrong? If I was, wasn't wrong, I wouldn't have put the gun in the chimney. And this is how I go through things in my mind. This is what a part of the institutionalization that I love stay with me because it makes me first stop. You got to stop, they say. 
than you think. And that's where everybody always go wrong. They tie this down all the time. Thinking is always out the window when you're angry, um, intoxicated, or unknowledgeable. So all of these lessons I took and come to find out this lady, daddy is rich. Katrina daddy got a nice ass mini mansion in San Diego. What was it called? Mission Beach on the beach. A whole different type of life. As soon as we got there, she says that her boyfriend tried to kill her, throw her out the house, accused her of stealing drugs and a gun. So I'm just sitting there looking at her. Remember, I'm not with that lion. He's a college student writing a book. He's an author. I'm on the run. I get pulled over, say my name, and I'm gone. And you sitting here telling this man all that? So she got drunk and went to sleep. And I let him know, Mr. Prince, I don't want to be in your house. Be disrespectful. I let him know this is my story. And he said, I think we need to see about getting you an attorney, young man. I said, it ain't that serious. I only got two more months and I'm done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It ain't like they're going to hunt me down and bring me back. Once I turned 25, he looked it up. He understood it. And he's like, oh, I, I could take care of you for that time. Then we can see about restarting your life. Oh, cool. Father-in-law? This girl hated that. Hey, she hated me and him watching the Laker games and being upset together. Then my sister told my mom, the real life, she just waiting for her man to come home from jail. So me and him getting close together means he ain't going to accept her other dude who in jail who was supposed to come home. So I'm like, damn. That's cold game. So she do the, how I like to say how Chris Rock did that. Chicken, chicken. <laughs> she talked about, I scuffed up her Timberland. Get out my daddy house. You ain't shit, little dick. And I wanted to crush her skull, shoot her, do all of that. So I ran. <laughs> <laughs> Teach me that and why that was something I learned on my own. Like, get up out of here for she be gone. Self-awareness. And, like, and I'm not, I'm like an animal in the wilderness because I, I we stopped from being, we went from San Diego. He bought a, a, a condo in Henderson. They was just opening up this Henderson area where I'm at now in Nevada. So we moved from San Diego to Henderson. That's when she knew how tight we was in that five-hour drive. She's like, oh, I'm going to break this up. So packing up her stuff, I messed up her Timberland and got to leave. Walking in the desert. I'm not used to this. I'm like, you ever seen that movie? I watch my kids all the time. The little lizard, Ringo. 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 Yeah. That's how I felt running out of that air conditioner house with my black khaki suit on in this heat. Wanting to cry so bad. Like, I can't do it no more. Remember, I got past that a long time ago. I'm not going to let her let me get there. And one of my homies who's still out here looking out for me every time I need him ski, he pulled up on me out of nowhere. I'm in Las Vegas. We from Inglewood. Come on, that's you. There they go. All these big buff people now again. Like, you look familiar. Like, it's ski. Like, damn, homie, you big now, bro. Get in. The homie talked with me. 
And now you may remember I got in a car accident first time I went to jail and it went to juvenile hall. I crashed into the Lennox's with G-Bone. He took the case for me. When I got out, he tried to check me in school. That was the first stop we stopped at. Bone out here too. He a chef out here <laughs> with the Le Cordon Bleu. Yeah. And seeing the homie doing construction and truck driving and the homie doing the Le Cordon Bleu thing, it inspired me. Like I'm already educated. I just, this girl threw me off. I called my parole officer. I told her I'm out here in Vegas. Told her the whole truth. You know what I'm saying? I want to be upfront with you. I know my time is coming up, but I don't want to end on bad terms. You know, I want to one day work with the youth and don't want a dishonorable discharge. She was like, well, you was going to get that regardless because you need more than a year on parole to get an honorable discharge. Next thing you know, my face on the news. He's out of state. How do you know that? Well, moms did say something, but my mom said something after they came to talk to her, talking about, well, we heard he's out of state. Like, why you just couldn't keep that to yourself? It let me know that there's no unity and loyalty on the streets. I'm like, I'm trying to be upfront, honest. You're my parole officer. We have very short time. That's what she let me know from the jump because she didn't know they was going to be on her as hard as I, they were. So at first she was cool. Like, you only got a little bit of time. I know you from back then and it was all good. Next time I come in, here's a cup. Oh, yeah, like you said, you wasn't even doing all that. That's the type of behavior. Like I said, I see these dudes that did six, five years for murder. They sitting here, smell like weed, passing in clean weed, uh, urine. Ain't nobody going in there with them, but the supervisor going there with me, make sure that my piss is clean. Really mine. Those type of things are what discourage people from wanting to work, contribute to society. Even get over the trauma that we experience because we're still being, it's like double jeopardy. Like we still got to worry about seeing all the stabbings and the beatings and all of that. Just to think if I don't ever want to go back to that, all I got to do is follow the law. <laughs> mm -hmm. Then you get out and follow the law. But because of something I did at 14 years old, my face is on the national. How many people right now today? There's probably a million people upscounting for parole. But this dude, 14 years old, it ain't like I went like my mama said. I went out there and butt wilding. I'm hurt. This girl broke my feelings. I'm the longos and try to run up on me. I'm nervous. My boy done just died. My sister hit me with a phone. It's starting all over again. And I'm calling out to reach out to scream out to your ass for help. And you want to go to the CBS news? Man, that'd be trippy seeing your face yeah. on the news, turning on the TV. How did I find out? Oh, my mama called me and told me. She said, yeah, they, they, this was when we was actually driving to San Diego. I mean, to Las Vegas, because that's when I called the lady and told her. Like, we moving to Vegas in a couple of weeks. So she had the news people ready. So they was like, damn near the same day I was moving to Vegas, that the news came out the next day. Because I told them two weeks prior to that. So it take them a couple of weeks to get everything together. Oh, they was ready for me. 
her mom, Katrina mom, seen the story in California. So if I went to tell Mr. Prince, and this is why, this is how I thought about like, this is why you keep telling the truth. This is why I didn't go for it. Now, I may have lied to a couple of the ladies and trying to do a few things, but I'm over that now. It's all real now. But that was something that really hit me because I heard him talking. Like, Sarita, Sarita, I'm telling you now. Her boy done told me. <laughs> That's your daughter lying to you. So while I was on my way back to Las Vegas, Katrina boyfriend, the homie Night Train, rest in peace, he got killed. Another thing, uh, uh, I'm gonna send you that too. It's on. It's it was online. They found the murderer that killed him, Cedric McCollin. But he got robbed, like he thought I did him. Somebody robbed him, shot him in his back, took his gun and his drugs. And I said, "Damn, if he would have been like me, and learned like, oh, I was gonna kill somebody that's cool for a misconception, for a lie." and stop doing what he did right then, he'd still be alive. So that added to the motivation. I'm like, I started to weigh pros versus cons. I'm like, okay, if I don't sell drugs, don't be a pimp, and don't rob people, that was like the main things people were doing in 2005. So if I stay away from those things, and just get a good job, then I, I'm gonna make it right. I get back to California. Like I say, that same, while I was going, Cedric, it got killed. Why this girl try to tell people I did it? Like he stole his gun, he's on the phone. This is how I learned about gossip. See, and why you don't do it, you, you learn, you don't talk. You say something like that, you finna get stabbed, beat up, your booty get took. You don't spread. And it's the second time she did this. Now she didn't said I stole this dope. Now you just said I killed the man. Don't put that on me. Like, I swear, that's what made me get on Facebook because I was against all that type of stuff when I first came home. But when he got killed and they found out who did it and I seen it online, I, I got on Facebook just to share. <laughs> I did what? No, the Longos, where I stayed, it may have happened. And that's being understanding, though. It did happen right by Pastor House, right around the corner. And I'm like, woman, I'm out here with you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you think you can keep me out? And one day I didn't flew to Vegas, from Vegas to LA in that time frame and did that? No. On my way back from Vegas, instead of being heartbroken, I called my moms and told her, like, I'm going to try to lay low at your house and I work at your job, you know, on the phones. That's what got me into politics. It was John Kerry election. Bush was like the Trump back then. So all the Democrats love when I call like, yeah, we got to stop the oil and all this and that. And getting that acceptance from my supervisors and coworkers, I'm like, damn, this might be cool. My sister had another boyfriend that I, I was in Hawaii with. So, you know, I'm cool with that. The homie Bandit from Hacienda Village Boys. So he used to come pick me and my mom up from work. My auntie had broke her foot. So my mom was going to go cook for her. So she, I like dropped me off at home real quick, take her over there. And 
he told me when he dropped me off, it was a gardener on the corner. He was like, blood, that don't look right. I ain't even pay attention to it. It's nighttime. That's what it didn't look right. I'm like, it's a gardener. But it was nighttime. That's when he told me when I got caught. He was like, it's nighttime, homie. What a gardener doing standing out there like that before? Like, man, I wasn't even thinking. They surrounded the house, though. I almost got away. The window I got out of, it was so unbelievable. They didn't even think. I was stuck. Like, <laughs> I was stuck. It took me. I skipped up my whole face and everything, climbing up through this little bitty fixture. But they, oh, he couldn't have got through there. I heard him say that. If he'd have just looked down, he'd have seen my dumb ass like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> but I climbed up that. I got over the roof. And the little senora lady who know me, the corn lady next door, she was like, get in her little cabin. She hit me. But I heard my mama screaming when she got back. Like, yo, don't kill my son. I ain't gonna kill him. So I just gave up. I only got about two weeks. Like, come on, here y'all got me. And that was the end of parole. Now, my mom's husband got out of jail when I was in jail. So I got out November the 3rd, 2005. He got out. What's that? Halloween. So we getting out at the same time. He like, bro, I got a homie. That was, he was just in the pen with Suge. So he was like, Suge, got a homie that runs something down here. I don't know what it is, but he said, just go down there. He going to give us a job. I don't know what it is. I'm like, as a matter of fact, I was like, no, nah, I don't even want that right now because I was going to try to go get my guard card. I was like, uh, no, 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 no. I needed the guard card for this job. So that wasn't why. why didn't I? Oh, my. I was having a baby. Two, three babies. <laughs> <laughs> when Cedric got killed, I got home that night. My sister had somebody new for me that night. So as soon as I got home. When she found out Cedric got killed, I was almost with my first baby mom. So the next day, I got busted. No, it was a week. A week I came back from Vegas, started that job the second day. One week, they busted me. She got pregnant while I was in jail. Like, I got her pregnant. I didn't want to be with her, though. She was negative, gang-related, and no more. Baby mama good now. Proud of her. She doing her thing. But we just weren't on the same page then. So I was hiding. I told her I had like a year. I only had two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> and I started hooking up with a girl from my mom's job. And she had got pregnant. So to help me hide better from that baby mama, I start going back to Inglewood to, with my other baby mother. I was going to be the stay-at-home father type. She had all kind of different incomes from her ex-husband's pension that got killed and stuff. So she's like, you could write your book and take your time and blend back into society. I'm like, cool, that's nice. We can start all over again. But I'm in the city of Inglewood where it all started for me. And Inglewood familyhood on the borderline of them in the roller 60s. We had goals, though. Everything was cool. Until, like I say, my mom's husband came home and we go to this damn job. All we were supposed to do, me and my pregnant wife, were take him to go to the interview. But the dude made it seem so good. He was like, fudge, I'm going to love the job. You're going to get paid. You got this, this, this. I'm like, all right, I'll take it. He talked me into working where I didn't know what I was doing. All he said was, bring some tan dickies. 
black shoes, a white t-shirt will provide you with a uniform shirt. I and this ended up being a dream job. The time it was called the Universal Amphitheater. I thought it was like, what do they call that? Broadway, opera, or something like that? Because it's in the middle of an amusement park. I've barely been out of jail, barely getting back into the swing of things. So my first show, when they said, um, they picked my stepfather because he was a lot bigger and muscular and grown, you know, like we need you to work up front. We'll send me, they wanted me to go collect tickets and shit. But he's like, no, that's my son. He ride with me. And, All right, you just stay by him and stick next to him. So now I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be something aggressive. <laughs> First day, um, they say, house is open. <laughs> like, what the hell? House is open. And then doors open and thousands of black people. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what is this? Me and my stepfather in amazement, like, blah, this is something different right here. Well, it's a concert venue. And our first show was Cat Williams, oh, uh, Lynette, and Mike Epps. And I'm, what, five months out of Hawaii? First show. The first night, Show over, funny as hell. I'm like, I love this job, you know? So me and Steph Pops clowning, we, we're we here forever. We hear, cold four, cold four. They're like, hey, hey, we can ready to go home. They're like, no, 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 go backstage. We need you backstage, everybody backstage. We ain't even have our uniform shirts on no more. Somebody is attacking Dub C and LL Cool J is trying to help him. They told us that the sheriffs are under a contract to where they can't, arrest people in that certain facility. You got to get them out this gate. So they told us, just rush the guys that are trying to attack the artists out the gate. I must have turned the corner. There go Voodoo, T-Dog, Duck, all YA babies from Hoover trying to get the neighborhood crib artists. Voodoo! They stop Look at the money! I ain't even know what y'all doing here. I told them, man, they trying to get y'all to go out the gate for the police, homie. If I was y'all, I'd hit the gate, start running. They coming. They start running. They thought I'd have chased them away. I thought, get out of here. <laughs> I'm making you look good. <laughs> I never left backstage again. And the thing is, there were three supervisors. It took me eight months to obtain supervisorship. Y'all got to meet this lady. This is my friend, Miss Mary Kay Connors. Now, Mary Kay Connors... Uh, she liked to go by MK. I ain't going to put it. MK. MK met her first African-American at 22 years old. Wow. She was adopted and raised in Albany, New York. Her father, our adopted father, was the chief of police. Her brother was on the force. And this woman changed my life. She's the one that hired me backstage because she seen me chase the dudes away, supposedly. From that day forth, I told her everything about me. Like I say, she had barely met an African-American. And she told me about herself. I'm going to send you the picture. And she had told me she was around during 9-11. She's a New Yorker. But one day, this is how humble she is. She was ground zero. Three um, three different type of cancers. 
this was 2005 I met MK through 2010. So like I backlapsed, almost went crazy again and moved to Vegas and did all of this. So like 15 years later, I'm watching a video, a documentary on 9-11. I took a picture, a still picture of, and there she is. You can see all the stuff coming, like clear as that, like there's MK. That put oh. me back in contact with her. At the time, my car was broke. Like she got me an apartment, got my car fixed. All that, like Frank, why haven't you reached out? I was like, I've been doing powder. I've been hanging with the homies again. I didn't even want that energy to even come near you. And she said, no matter what, no matter what, with tears in her eyes, like this woman then took me to Sparks games, a Eagles concert, like changed my world. Kobe, we worked with Kobe when he was on, um, when they was on, he was on trial for that uh, Colorado case. Yeah. She survived cancer. Yeah, all of this. 2008. Have you ever heard of a Jenny Rivera, a Latina artist, died in a plane crash like a Selena? No. No. Guys, look her up. She's real big. She's from Long Beach. She's that Longo gang we was talking about. Roots there. Jenny Rivera is a very like, like these is like Cortellish type of people. And there were artists that we would have meetings with the feds. They would come to our security meetings. There was this dude, he just passed too, Chente, Vicente Fernandez. And they would tell us like his son was kidnapped and this and that. And I'm like, damn, this is deep. And the two other supervisors would always come to me. Remember, Mary Kay from Albany, New York, uh, the other black dude, he was very disciplined. He worked with Beyonce and him for years. He was their security uh, curling, but they didn't want to deal with like uh, uh, Scrappy Lil Scrappy, Lil Wayne, uh, uh, Trey songs. That was me. Those concerts, I would handle the whole security. Like I would get the guards, talk to their tour manager, their role manager, and what you guys want, you know, we, there's the dressing room is here. I can offer you guys four guards. Here's these passes. I went from the Hoovers knowing them from why and me being honest with MK. Because about eight months after the job start, I was coming to work. My girl, Christine, in the front see me like, and for some odd, not odd reason, I went to Starbucks. So I was coming through the front. I usually come through the backstage area because I work backstage and I'm coming from the front. She's like, what are you doing here? She thought I was coming to shoot the place up. I'm like, what you talking about? She's like, they fired you. 